Pod Studios, home of the Space Jam Fan Fiction Baseball Bandits, proudly presents Tom Hanks Giving, right here every Tuesday. Tom Hanks Giving, come on and press play. There's Elvis, the host with the most, yada 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 yada. With a different guest each week, they're the smart ones. Each episode's a new movie. About Tom Hanks, the man himself, of course, it's time for Tom Hanks giving. It's the best you can get. It's the rootinest, tootinest podcast on the internet. Tom Hanks giving. Howdy, partner, and welcome to Tom Hanks giving, the only Tom Hanks podcast on the internet that's in a league of its own. I'm your host, Elvis, and today we're talking about the 1992 Masterpiece, A League of Their Own, starring Gina Davis, Lori Petty, Madonna, Rosie O'Donnell, Tom Hanks, and uh, thousands more talented people we're going to talk about. Directed by Penny Marshall, uh, who also directed Big, and on that episode, our debut episode, I misattributed her to also being the director of Wayne's World, but that was Penelope Spheris. My apologies. The longest standing correction I've needed to make finally made so there we go so without further ado we're moved on to a league of their own and we're joined by the wonderful Ali Vingiano hello I'm so excited to be here yes you're returning you were on uh, for sleepers in Seattle another classic yes but uh, even more excited about a league of their own this yes I'm so excited to talk about this movie why why this movie though this one you wanted to talk about so oh much. Oh my gosh, because growing up this movie was so like important to me. I loved it so much. Um, I watched it like a million times. I played softball until mm. the freshman year of high school. Nice. <laughs> and I think it's just like this weird, revo- it's like a revolutionary movie in a sense of when I just watched it for this podcast, like I was thinking about how it's one of those first times as a kid where you just get to see women who are allowed to have fun. You know what I mean? It's like all these women in the 50s and then all of a sudden they can just like go have fun with their friends and it's just like such a fun, empowering movie in that regard. I just love all these characters and they're all women. Like, obviously there's male characters too, but it's just like... They're such good characters. Like, every character in this movie you love. Yeah, I I wrote down, literally, um, it's rare to have a movie like this where every character is easily a candidate for that's my favorite character. Right. There's no wrong answer. No. Literally, there. Yeah, you could be in a room with ten people, and everyone could have a different favorite character. Because Madonna is a babe, Perfect. amazing, hilarious. Rosie O'Donnell, maybe her best performance ever. Definitely. Whoever plays Marsha Hooch, oh boy. M- Marla Hooch. Marla yeah, Hooch. I, uh, I just looked it up. It was Megan Cavana. Okay. I'm probably shout out to that. Megan Cavana. Her, yeah, when she takes off the hat, oh it's such God. an endearing it's shot. So great. <sighs> yeah, everybody's great in this. Um, everybody. Could, so. so it's a fantastic film. It's it's so great to see these characters, uh, especially, you know, when we don't get a lot of movies that depict women as yeah. just people, which is a shitty thing. It's true, true, though. Like, I think seeing this movie as a kid was so important because it was like you saw this huge cast of all female leads who are funny, interesting, complicated characters who, like, get to experience life in a fun and complicated way. Yeah, and, it, like, it is... Obviously, the the premise of the movie is sort of about how women, like, it's about being a woman. Yeah. Which is, like, the one, it it totally, obviously, works for the movie, but, like, the downside is often when you get these stories of, you know, non-straight white people, 
uh, or straight white men, it's like, oh, it's about being a woman, or right. it's about being black, or something like that. It's or, not about being a woman. Yeah. No, 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 this movie, like, there is a piece of that in it, but it's so much about just the relationship of these characters. Right, and, totally. Uh, and the game. And, and the uh, game and baseball. So you play softball yes. in school. What is your, are you a big sports person? No. No, I mean, I like that, I like basketball, um... I went to a Dodgers game, 4th of July. It was great. Nice. That baseball is so boring. It's like, I've never sat through a full baseball game, like, watching my TV. Even at the game, I was like, okay, come on. So it was so funny because the game at the climax of this movie, not to get ahead of myself, was, like, so exciting around yes. the edge of your seat. And I was sitting there being like, oh, this is the most interesting I've ever seen baseball depicted. Exactly. This is... Yeah. I, I, I'm not a sports person either. Never been a big fan. Uh but, uh, I, I mean, I, outside of the, uh, the year when I was in kindergarten and I was a track star, I was the wow, fastest on the team. Wow, a track star. Yeah. Uh, Self-described I, track star. I, hey, I got the, the ribbons to prove okay, it. Lots okay. of blues, a couple of yellows. Um, I may not look fast, but I am a speed demon. That's awesome. Anyway, uh, so, so yeah, not, but sports are so boring. Yes. Can't stand them. But... It obviously has to be a good movie, but when sports are in movies, it's the most exciting so thing. So exciting. The stakes seem so high. Absolutely. And, like, you care about the characters. If you cared about people in the games, like, exactly. it would be great. Well, but, and I, I, I mean, obviously, there's a, you know, sports is a humongous thing in culture. And I guess I have a dissonance where it's like I'm watching it. I don't feel like it's, everybody's like, oh, it's my team. It's yeah. us. I don't have that connection. Mm-mm. So... When it's a character, I'm absolutely down for it. When it's yeah. Looney Tunes, even better. That's the best basketball's ever been for me. <laughs> Space Jam. Space Jam, classic film. Unfortunately, no Tom Hanks. No. But uh, there's plenty of Tom Hanks in a League of Their Own. Are you just going to run out of movies to do and then just start putting Tom Hanks into movies? <laughs> just like little animated Tom Hanks. Maybe that's basketball. what we'll have to do. Because uh, we're, we're running, we're on the other half of the list now. Wow, we're that's the, exciting, though. It is exciting. We're, we're, we ourselves are getting to the bottom of the, of the ninth. Mm. Um, so, let's talk about this. You need a pun this. button. Every great pun, you just get to... I don't, no, I don't want to <laughs> call ding, ding, more ding, attention ding. to the terrible <laughs> puns I'm making. Uh, so, let's talk about A League of Their Own. Great. Um, and you want to talk about the first ten minutes, specifically. Well, I thought it was funny watching the movie this time around, how much I noticed is foreshadowing in that yes. time. This is a movie where, like, I don't entirely forget, but you for, almost forget there's a framing device. Oh, completely. Oh, yeah, it's a flashback. It's old mm-hmm. people looking back at their life, which I wrote down, fave genre. <laughs> <laughs> Adults looking back at their lives. Because, like, Stand By Me, Now and Then, like, this movie, like, so many classic 90s films. Well, Stand By Me was the 80s. But so many movies yeah. I love have that device, and it's just beautiful. I, Titanic. <laughs> strangely enough, I always think of a completely... A typical version, but uh, maybe it's just because I have another. It's a, another movie I'm so fond of is uh, the Princess Bride. Oh, you because know, I've never seen it. You've never Which seen is the like Princess criminal, Bride. Yeah, it's horrible. I gotta well, see it. It's it's not like Tom Hanks is in it. I forgive you. <laughs> uh, but it's it's a it's another movie where you forget because the movie itself is so uh, powerful. You forget that there's a framing device. Yeah. But no, I I love it and kind of what it says about the movie because you could have this movie without it, but. Uh, the fact that it makes it so much better. Yeah, I mean, to th- see how it, it affected these women's lives, and that they're still like it, so many decades later, it's still such a part of them. Yeah, and we were talking about at the when we were watching at the end, just like 
how great it is to see old women playing baseball it's and so having cool. like this, yeah. this extreme uh, tribute to their lives and their accomplishments. Totally. Because you don't really get that in a lot of, like, I don't no, know. One women of my, are dead to society after 50. It's I mean, like, even, it's true, especially, but uh, but even just like older people for the most part. True. It's, like, I, I'm terrified of getting old. Sure. And uh, I think that's a, a healthy response to being a young adult. Um, <laughs> But because uh, it's like, w- w- is, is it going to be fun? Is it, am I going to like it? I don't know. I don't <laughs> care. It's too far away. I'm just trying to make it to 30. I'm just excited exactly. for my 30s. I can't wait to be 30 and like know what I like have my life figured out and know what's happening to my life. I love and your then, point of view because yeah. I am really close to 30 now. And Great. Like, I can't wait. I just want to wake up and be 30 <laughs> and own a house. <laughs> I mean, I guess that's the thing, though. You have to have the house. You have house. to own the house. <laughs> yeah, you have to be an adult. And like, yeah, yeah. God, I don't know. Okay, I just want to wake up when I'm 35 and own a house. <laughs> that sounds that sounds nice. You right? Because I feel like we're, we're, you know, a lot of the best movies are about 35-year-olds. True. It's True. like that's when you get, I don't know, your shit your shit's together, and now yeah. it's like something interesting happens. Right, right. Like uh, like uh, our characters, uh, Dottie and Kits. Kit. Uh, the sisters at the heart of the movie. And uh, to go back to all the foreshadowing and yes. character... Uh, development. Uh, th- once we get into the, or even before we get into the flashback, I love the scene where um, uh, Gina Davis is an old grandma mm-hmm. uh, is going to. We don't know where she's going yet, uh, but uh, she says goodbye to her grandsons, and let's and basically spoils the whole movie. Yeah, she does. Yeah, she. Uh, they're playing basketball. Nice touch. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, not baseball, of course. Uh, and uh, tells the the older brother to go easy on the the little kid and. For the, the younger brother to fucking own kill him. him. Yeah, kill him. Yes, kill him. So that's pretty much the plot of this movie. Yeah. So I just love that. I Which love I, movies that do that. Where I it's know. Like, oh, it's such a good little touch. What are your thoughts on the sister relationship once we get back into that flashback? Once we get into the flashback, I mean, I think that Kit is insufferable in the beginning, <laughs> in that first scene, when she's like, I like the high ones, and then doesn't change that much. Like, she sort of stays insufferable the whole film. She, until the very end when she, like, has this moment of revelation or whatever, but, like, she's so resentful towards her older sister to the point where it's, like, so unaware of her own self that it was very frustrating to me. And Dottie is so composed. The most composed character I think I've ever seen. Dottie is... So I admire her so much. So like this much. is how you want to be. As yeah, a she's like the perfect person. It's crazy. Except that I wish that she did care more about baseball because it's like you can tell she cares. So I'm, she I loves the game. Yeah. Tom Hanks, Jimmy Dugan is right. I think, I think so everybody's too. right about her. She yeah. loves this game with a passion. But that's an interesting conversation why doesn't too. She do, why doesn't she stay in the game? Like then is she she is a flawed character if she loves it but chooses to not play it. For some other reason, but I—I th- I mean, that's an interesting question, and you're better equipped as a woman to answer it. it. It seems like the answer she gives, at least at the end of the movie, she wants to go and have a family. Yeah, she wants to have babies. Not but that you can't the- have both. No, you can. I mean, she could have played a couple more seasons and then had mm-hmm. kids a few years later. But it was the weird thing to me is, of course, she felt that pressure to have kids and be with her husband, and that's all she wanted. She didn't. She didn't feel like she could desire more or want more, which is true. Like as a woman, you're often taught to, to quote that Beyonce song, the woman, the the feminist writer in the Beyonce song when she's like, we can be ambitious, but not too much. Otherwise you'll threaten a man. And like, that's sort of the dotty outlook where it's like, she's ambitious, but not that ambitious. And it's like, well, why not? Your husband seems so supportive of you. Like they didn't write that male character in a way of like, 
you have to have my babies. They wrote him as a like proud, supportive husband. So when that's he says, that's why my I, wife. Yeah, it's the it's sweetest so great. He's so proud of her. So I was like, well, what is up with her then? Why does she feel this way? I don't know. They never really answer it. No, I, I, it feels. I mean, like you can definitely feel there is a reason in right. her, and that's just Gina Davis being an incredible actress. Yes. But yeah, it's. Hard because she's so fucking good. She's Gina Davis is gorgeous and so talented, and like it's just stunning to me. She's a champion, and why you need Gina Davis in this movie is because I mean, that it's mostly for that one unbroken shot where she is giving the uh, signals to oh Marla. My God, I think yeah. it's Marla who's batting, yeah, and it uh, is. and then Tom Hanks finally takes an interest in the in the game, and he starts giving signals, and, like, who could go toe-to-toe? But Gina Davis and Tom Hanks, like, that, you need those power heads to clash. That moment when they're both giving the baseball signals is, like, a, one of the best comedy moments in the movie. It's just so good, so well done, and, like, you can really sense their relationship there, because mm-hmm. that's really the beginning of their relationship, and it's so built off, like, respect that he's like, oh, you're trying to take my job. Fuck you. I'm going to do it. <laughs> like, that's the only reason he becomes a good manager is because... He sees Gina Davis doing his job. Yeah. So I really like that. That kind of is an interesting point to talk about the whole don't be too ambitious thing. (laughs) Exactly what happens is a man steps in. Exactly. She's trying to, she rises to the occasion and then he's threatened by her and steps in and takes her place. I do like, and maybe this is, uh, diminishes the whole, that point though, but I do like that he steps in and makes a right call. Yes. And I think that's important to his character. It is. Totally. It gives him that confidence and the authority so it's like he's not just a jerk right he's good he's good at what he does he just doesn't want to do it yeah um that seems i mean this seems like a great time to talk about tom hanks oh my god let's do it he's obviously fantastic he's so good in this the no crying in baseball scene is maybe my favorite tom hanks scene of all time it's so good i i I, it's i mean it's one of the all-time greatest lines oh yeah for a reason my dad used to say that to me and uh, it's a perfect line because you can make it uh, anything. Oh, there's no crying in uh, filmmaking. There's no sure. crying. Whatever. There's uh, no crying in podcasts. Yes. <laughs> there you go. Um, and uh, certainly not on this one. Uh, although there were some tears when we were watching this I movie. I did cry three times during Three this times? Yeah. Wow. I, I, I shed a tear during the, the, the letter scene. The letter scene made that me was cry. Hard. And, the, and when they, the sisters see each other. It's so good. Yeah. And then I think, the th- I don't remember, the third time was either when she said Bob had died. No, I didn't like that. It was when I think they cut the thing and they all walked in. Oh, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. But it's, this is a great movie. It, it's so emotional. It's so, but it's so well crafted, It's funny. It's too. a really well-written movie. You don't, yeah, it's it's kind of, I, I mean, I hate to give the, the praise of it's got a little bit of everything, but it really it's got does. a little bit of everything. It's funny, but it's sad. It's <laughs> But it's uh, exciting. Yeah, it is. Goddamn. Uh, uh, we're all over the place. Uh, to go back to Hanks, though, maybe the funniest moment, my, my favorite moment he did, uh, at least watching it this time, was when he hits the three beat of his arc with, it's actually the, the end of that arc with the no crying of baseball. Oh. When, uh, so that's the first part, and then they kind of, end of that arc with Evelyn because he starts off uh, the first time they interact is no crying in baseball he makes her cry Yeah. but uh, the little tiny bit he grows as a character and he learns to be nice to her and just that moment where he's he's trying to be like you need to work on this but his face is just trying to hold in the anger it's such a good physical performance Mm -hmm. he's so physical like his everything the way he shakes his hands the way he moves his mouth his spitting the the leg he has an injured leg he's so good at making that leg 
unbelievable. Such a good physical performance. Because he truly becomes a non-Tom Hanksy character. He's not charming. He's disgusting. Yeah. He still has that authority and like he's absolutely lovable, but in just not at all the same way that uh, uh, a Sleepless in Seattle Tom Hanks is, or or uh, a Woody Tom Hanks. Or, yeah. Or, so he's not composed. He he's gained weight for the role. He's squinty. He's unshaven. Uh, it's very physical, as you said. And he's just so atypical. And I think what's brilliant about casting Tom Hanks is because when you cast Tom Hanks, you get that, oh, I love Tom Hanks. He's that great guy. Uh, That kind of is his cachet that you bring into the movie with him. And I think that's what the Jimmy Dugan character has to the general public. Mm. It's like, oh, Jimmy Dugan, I love him. He's great. But the reality that we get to see is such a shade darker. Because he is a super dark character. And I like that he's this, like, act two reveal almost. Like, we set up all these other two, all these other characters, and then, like, he comes in, like, 15, 20 minutes into the movie, and he just, like, is this force of nature. Yeah, and he doesn't even say anything or really interact. He's just there. He's just there. He's peeing everywhere. Spitting everywhere. And yeah, it it is until that moment with uh, Gina Davis where he sparks an interest and starts to have his story. And I love how... You know what's amazing about him? I'm sorry. Also that he he does seem like such an asshole in the beginning when he first walks in to meet his team. He's drunk and just pees in front of them. Like... He's so unlikable for so much of the film, but we like him anyway. And that's yes. the charm of an actor. Like, you have to be truly a gifted actor to pull that off. Uh, you know who else I think does that really well in this movie? Kit. <laughs> Sorry, I'm uh, joking. She's no, just no. so unlikable to me. <laughs> I was going to say John Lovitz. Totally. Shows up. He's Such perfect. a dick. So likable. Slime ball, this yeah. guy. And yet you love him every second. He is. He's shouting at Kit. He's like, we don't want you, yeah. Ah, so good. Such a good John Lovitz. <laughs> we don't want you, yeah. Kit. <laughs> and yeah, and it's actually, he's so likable that even despite being like so mean to Marla, it's like, well, uh, what are we going to do with you? Yeah. Um, that when he leaves and he's like, uh, I don't, I hate it when I get attached. I always get sad, too. He's like, oh, he's already out of the movie? It's, like, ten minutes, and he's gone. I thought he was going to come back more. I mean, we get that tiny little cameo from old version at the end. But uh, I I love that uh, in a movie where it's like you can have a great performer come in, and they make such a contribution, and yet it's such a small part of the movie. Uh, They're really using every single character to their maximum potential. Totally. There's no dull character. And that's a, a tribute to Penny Marshall's fantastic casting and directing and the writers it was so it looks like it was based off a story by two people and then the screenplay was written by two other people so i don't know if that means it was based on a book or based off just their retelling of what happened right and obviously there's uh, uh dotty collins is sort of the character that dotty was based on mm-hmm. and the the real version of this movie where uh they did indeed start a women's baseball league this is kind of true guys yeah. Based off a true story. Um, it's crazy that now in 2016 there isn't a female baseball league. That I was actually thinking that because, like, I, again, I'm so blind to sports. Like, it, there's I know there's a women's basketball Yeah, and there's league. women's soccer. There's not a women's baseball league? Not that I know of. I mean, I'm sure uh, there are obviously be. teams that play, uh, that have women and play baseball. Yeah, there's baseball, softball. But there's stuff. no professional league. There's no, like... Professional female baseball league, as far as I know. That so so you could theoretically do this movie again Which and have the crazy. same present. Yeah. Yes. except there's no World War Two. This is a fantastic movie. You don't need to remake it. And I, if you did reboot it, 
I, I think the smart thing would be don't do it as a flashback. Do it as some sort of modern movie. Totally. It could be about, like, people trying to start a female baseball league. Exactly. And, um, yeah, and more about, like, it working in... in, in um, I was going to say cohort, it's not the right word, but it, it coincided, like, it working together with the Men's Baseball League, like, it's yeah. like an either-or thing, it's a both thing. Which, which is kind of how it should be. Uh, totally, of course. And, like, we were talking about this earlier before, but um, another thing, if it was remade, is, like, this is such a white film. Yes, it yes. takes place in the 40s. So it's like there it's just all white women and and you get there's moments where I'm so angry at the sexism that they have to face and then there's this moment of realization where it's like and this is the best there was like for yeah. women if you were white you were the most privileged so it's like there's there's a m- moment in the film where we find we see this black woman throw a baseball and she's so good and there's this mo- little mm-hmm. nod of like you know a solidarity of like it's that, that, so important to see that. That little touch, yeah. It's like, thank God the filmmakers were smart enough to yep. include that. It's, it's, it's. I don't feel like that's lip service. It's unfortunately, I mean, it's a movie about the time, so yeah. They there's had to no be other true. way they could have done it. Um, but the fact that they included that instead of leaving that on the cutting room floor right. is like we recognize this was a thing too. Right. Just give us a moment of like there were so many like probably black and Hispanic and like Asian women who were really, really good at baseball yeah. and couldn't participate. And, like, even just that little moment, it empowers it women. empowers them, too. Exactly. And uh, I love that. Yeah, it's and like, we're doing it for you. We're doing it for all other women who can't play. Yeah, and while this is... Uh, I love all these characters, that that would be, like, the one... Or the biggest uh, excitement if you did a modern reboot is, like, oh, yes, yeah, so you could have all these amazing characters and they could all not have to be white. Yes, exactly. Right. Like, now if we saw it, we could have this, like, amazing diverse cast mm-hmm. That would be really empowering to see. Not that this movie gets needs to be remade. But, like, uh, you know, if we did remake this movie, what I would like to see, I would like to see an all-male remake of A League of Their Own. Yeah, you're right. That's, that's, that's that, what how many mean. childhoods would we ruin if we did an all-male <laughs> A League of Their Own? We should have had this time so it came out when Ghostbusters right? came out. That would have been perfect. Ruining um, my childhood. Which is actually perfect, because that reminds me of a moment I forgot to write down. Uh, that I want to bring up, which is we see the birthplace of uh, YouTube, the YouTube comments section of this movie. We do. When that just dipshit gets up and is like, girls can't play baseball! <laughs> just like, th- today is YouTube, where it's, uh, yeah, it's girls like, can't, oh. can't uh, ghost bust. Girls can't bust ghosts! No! <laughs> uh, and it's, it's, it's so... When you see it in a movie like this, it's like, it, it, it's shocking how that's real life. Yeah, totally. Who, who are you people? You can't all be 13-year-old boys. No. It's, uh... But in the 50s, I mean, like, it was crazy to see women play baseball to the sense that there's so much, like, they have to go to charm school, mm-hmm. they have to wear these little skirts, there's so much bullshit that they have to deal with just to live their lives and, like, do their professional work. Because there's absolutely no bullshit now for women. No, now lives. everything is totally great. And with sexism is over. Yeah. It's great. Outside the of a couple YouTube of YouTube comments. comments. Could, yeah, we could do some work <laughs> in that regard. Um, I think the the people who, if you have uh, a, a, an account online to make a comment, they should go to a refining school. Right? Just take yeah. a couple classes. Take a, how this to not how, be a dick. How to act like a gentleman. How to act like a lady <laughs> online. Yes. It, it, it's definitely authentic to the times, and unfortunately it's still a very real part of society, uh, the sexism. But uh, that brings up what we wanted to talk about is there's that whole newsreel where it's like, 
this is destroying our country because of the masculine, masculine, uh, I can't even say it. Masculine, damn. All right, so it's not just me. Nope, masculine, I can't say it. Let let a man try it again. (laughs) The masculinization of women. Woo, got it. Bam. The man will show you how it's done. As as Tom Hanks does, as uh, as we do. yeah, the masculinization of women is the threat, uh, right. the underlying threat of women playing baseball. Right. What? And I love that another addition to this amazing cast is Harry Shrearer, who is known from being on The Simpsons. He's the voiceover in the newsreels. Oh, wow. Um, so that's great to have him just as a little piece of this movie, too. Uh, but, like, they always... I love the ending of that one where they talk about the masculinization of women being a threat to the country. Right. And it's like, they introduce it, and it's like, oh, here's women playing baseball, but they end the newsreel with the same questions. Like, but women playing baseball? It's like, that should be your opening? Yeah. And that's how... It's women playing baseball, but the true thing is that men are were really threatened by it, and men are still so fragile in their masculinity. And I think, not to go into this whole other thing, but so much of feminism, men I think in, tend to resist feminist identities or reading or exploring feminism because they're like, oh, it's for girls. But so much of feminism is about how masculinity is framed poorly and how masculinity is harmful to the country and harmful to men and like violence, gun violence. Wow. We're going crazy. Yeah. It's so much about, I think this like sense of masculinity that is unexplored. So I think when I hear the masculinization of women, it was so interesting to me to like hear it framed in that regard because it's like, Oh man, like we're, I feel so far from that, but at the same time, I think it's still the thing that freaks guys out. Yeah. Or not guys in general. Obviously, men are great. And, like, just this, like, oh, I hate having to say that. It's like, yeah, you shouldn't have... But that, <laughs> what you're doing is exactly the point, because you shouldn't have to qualify not all men. Of course not all men. But that's the problem right. that we're trying to attack. Yeah. No, you're right in that um, too much of feminism is trying to repair the damage of toxic masculinity. Right, totally. Which is... Uh, I mean, I, a huge part of that is just... Feminism is oh that's a girl that's a girly word that's a that's a bad word. It's for women because you can't imagine yourself right as it's not even that imagining yourself as a woman it's just you don't want to identify with anything female and as it's a dude totally but it's like feminism is like a man it's a man's problem it's like men have to fix fem like like no one's equal until the oppressor like gets on board with yes. the oppressed right so it's like. Sexism is a problem that men should help solve. And, like, racism is a problem that white, white people, people need yeah. to help solve. The, the way these words are, like, alienated from the people they need to affect is such a... It's a problem. It's No, it's a, it's a <sighs> real problem. And uh, it's great that we have movies that are this entertaining that actually talk yes. about these problems, too. Oh, yeah. So back to the movie. <laughs> when I first... So when it first started happening, that scene when they're all trying out, I like wrote down in my little notebook, I was like, this movie basically just shows women who are given the opportunity to have fun for the first time. And it's like so enjoyable to see that, like I was saying earlier. And then as soon as they actually get on the teams, they're like, okay, you got to wear a skirt. You got to go to beauty mm-hmm. school. And it's like, oh, never mind. Like, you can't actually have fun. Like, yeah. you have to deal with all of this stuff. And then halfway through the movie... They start showing all, like, she does the split, and then, like, they, um, 
have that commercial where they're showing how pretty they are. Like, oh, she loves baking uh, or making spaghetti and she makes coffee. And it was like the interesting thing about that. And it's not a fault to the movie. It's just a fault to the time is that the thing that actually gives them success is sexualizing themselves. Right. And like selling themselves as sexual beings. So it kind of forced to use the, they, they almost feminize themselves rather than masculinize themselves. Uh, Because they're doing something quote unquote masculine. They have to, become extra, extra feminine to make up for it. Which, yeah, actually, going back to the original thing is, the entire question is, like, why is baseball and sports seen as masculine to begin with? That's right. a, That's an error. It's an error in, in, like, the, the framing of our culture. Yeah. But it's, like, sports, strength, things that are, things that take strength and phys- physical strength are, like, considered masculine just because women traditionally weren't seen in that way. Right, which is all essentially outside of a very few rudimentary things when we were just basically monkeys. Right. uh, All driven by culture. It's completely driven by culture. Also in the sense of keeping women weak physically and and without power. It's like part of keeping women powerless is to teach them that they can't be strong. Whereas, like, there's, it's not how it works. Women can also get strong. And so many women are strong. It's yeah. seen Bitch, in this I movie. take boxing classes. <laughs> I'm sure you, that's the downside is, like, you have to take boxing classes. Mm. I never will. Right. I just don't care. Yeah. But I still have a built-in physical intimidation, <laughs> yeah, I Yeah, no, it's true. Men are... I was just texting with this, about this, because it's, like... You know, there's this guy in the comedy community who is uh, accused of raping three no. women. No. A I guy know. in the comedy Crazy. community? <laughs> so, all, you know, everyone's talking about it, and it's this sense of, like, damn, like, you just don't know who is a threat. Like, just, as a, just a guy who seems like a nerdy white guy is, like, out there preying on, like, girls who are coming into the comedy community with, like, wide eyes, you know, and it's, like... This thing of you just don't know who is a rapist. You don't know who's a threat. You don't know who to be afraid of. It could be anyone. It could be the guy you're dating, or like. So it's just this weird thing of like, oh yeah, you're a threat just for being in a male body. Because at this point, it's dumb to assume anything otherwise. And that's such a shitty thing because there's so many male bodies who are the best, warmest, kindest champions of women. But rape is on my mind because of this other thing. Well, that's the shitty thing. C- rape kind of always has to be it on does, your mind. because as a woman. You, you, and that's a thing that I think, certainly, I, yeah, I didn't grasp it until I was a little older. And I just don't think it's something that we don't talk about. It is something we don't talk about enough. And it's shitty that we're having this conversation on a Tom Hanks podcast because we don't talk about it. And even when we have amazing, we need more amazing movies like this, which don't have that really built into the conversation. No. But just by having movies that are about women that are real characters that aren't like, oh, this is a woman's struggle specifically. Yeah. This is just a just m- movie starring characters who are women. Then you build empathy with them and you can relate to them. You just relate to the things that women have to go through in their lives that are annoying and stressful and shitty. And that's why you want to have feminists and people like uh, our boy Ira Lobenstein. Yes, Played by Ira. David Strathern. Strather. Uh, Shout who, out to Elvis for bringing it back to the movie. Yes, yes. Well, I mean, that's why I'm the podcast host. He was great in this. Both of us were like, wait, what's... We love this guy, but yeah. we Wait, don't know his name. Explain who the character is. He's the, he's the character who essentially, I guess he's the one who 
runs the team on the business end. He's not the manager, obviously. That's that's Tom Hanks' character. Uh, but uh, the Harvey, not Weinstein. Yeah, um, he runs the league, I guess. Yeah, Harvey he, owns the league, and he's sort of the one who carries the, it. Yeah, through. he's the businessman who owns the yeah. chocolate factory and is putting the money into running the league. Right. And yeah, I guess this is the guy who, he's the director of the league, and he's just a champion for these women yeah, and for this really game. Yeah, he just really sees them as people. Which is crazy. <laughs> I imagine that. I know. And uh, yeah, he so he comes in and I mean he's I love what what he says to uh, Harvey, uh, the owner, in that scene where he's like, "I sold this product when you didn't have a product." Right. And uh, he's able to find an audience for this and keep it going. And I mean, he, he, that's that's also like that that t- that tearful moment at the end when he gets to cut the ribbon. Yeah, he really earned it. And that's that's the kind of I mean he's just such a great guy and it was one of those things where we're watching the movie and it's like we love this character what's his name again because he's such you don't know yeah he's he, a small part but he plays he's so important it, it's just like the John Lovitz conversation totally every character in this movie matters they have such a, uh, a point life of view to them. Yeah, yes they're really alive there's no one just a placeholder and I love that you know Tom Hanks comes around and is a real. I think, a real champion for these women, too. Totally, completely. And I love seeing that journey. Of yeah. He basically is so offended that he has to manage women that he, like, starts to becomes an alcoholic again. Yes. <laughs> like, that's how humiliated he is. He's like, women? Like, just starts drinking immediately. And then you get to see this journey of him, like, truly caring about them, believing in them, respecting them, very much through the Gina Davis relationship. Mm-hmm. And, like, that's super dope to see. Because you don't blame any guys for not wanting to work with women in this movie that takes place in the 40s. Right. That's, I mean, now you do, for sure. Yes. But, like, in the 40s, it's like, yeah, that women were seen as... That's how it would be. Yeah, that's Which, how it would be at the yeah. time. So it was cool to see someone who sort of had that mindset of the time come around to, you know, really respecting these people. And it makes sense, too, because, like, again, going back to an earlier point where I think how you would apply this sort of thing in real life is... You just have to spend time with these people, and you yeah, realize, you, oh, they're people. Yep, I like them. Yeah. Which is why you want to see more movies like this, where it's like, oh, these these women are people, and yeah. they're great. There's this line in the beginning. He's like, a bunch of ball players. Like, there. You mean a bunch of women? Like, I'd rather sleep with them than watch them play ball, or like something. Yeah, like yeah. That. They're 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 for sleeping after the game. They're not for playing the game. Right. Exactly. And you're like, wow. Okay. And then by the end, you know, like if someone said that to him, he'd punch them in the face. Yeah. Uh, I love how defensive and stand-up he becomes when the jerk, who's probably just, like, not even realizing it because it's his job to do this every day, but he comes from the postal service to deliver the telegram to uh, Betty Spaghetti that her husband has died in the war. Which, again, from his point of view, it's like he probably does this all day. He just forgets that, oh, this is a big thing. I shouldn't be fucking. But he acts like such a jerk, and Tom Hanks is like, I'm going to take this. I don't care if it's... Breaking a federal law. Yeah, get the fuck really out of here. Yeah, he really stands up for them. Um, and that scene is just so well done. It's so good. It's brutal to watch. It's brutal to watch because he's holding this telegraph that's saying one of their husbands is dead, and he's obviously not going to just read it. He's going to go hand it to the person. Mm-hmm. So you just have this tension and sadness and stress of all of these women wondering if it's their husband. Yeah. Whew. And it's what and to the movies like going back to a craft credit like this is perfect. Uh, screenwriting where it's, this comes off of one of the greatest highs in the movie. It's like Tom exactly. Hanks just prayed for them and like they're part of a team like the one like uh, Laurie Petty's gone now so like it's not entirely like the highest highest but uh, they're ready to play the game everybody's on the same team it's hilarious we're, we're laughing 
five seconds before this guy comes in, and then it just hits you hard. So hard. It uh, brings it back to reality, like, oh yeah, that's why they're doing this, because mm-hmm. there's a war going on, and that's real. And that, that uh, transition, because obviously it's building, it's teasing, is it going to be uh, Dottie? Dottie. Is it going to be Gina Davis's character? But then we also see the effect it has on her character, because exactly. she realizes how much she loves her husband, and then he comes back, and then she's willing to give up the game to be with him. When you see that scene, you realize how she's been holding it in the entire movie. Yep. All this emotion, and it just kind of clarifies how kind of she's been distant Mm because like I think she can't attach herself as fully as uh as her sister does because her sister's putting all of her emotion out there she doesn't have any yeah but Gina Davis is living with this constant fear Mm -hmm. and sadness it is just a game to her because she's thinking about life and death and she has to put that away yeah oh that's so real so so good good I didn't even thought about it in that way it's so true and what about Bill Pullman? Oh, just a delight. Way better than Sleepless in Seattle, <laughs> He was such Bill a Pullman. dork. Which, which I remember talking about Sleepless in Seattle being like, he does, the, wor- the thing he does wrong in the movie is he has, a, he has allergies. So it's kind of a douche move to break up with him. But, uh, oh, but at the same time. so funny. He's, he's like, oh, the guy with the allergies. <laughs> that's his problem in the movie. But, but it's true, he's, he's very milquetoast in that movie. Uh-huh. Which probably is... His, it's the purpose of his character, so it's not like a fault of his performance. He's supposed to be the boring. Yeah, he's guy. supposed to be the unlikable dude, but he's so uh, charming and lovable in this movie. Yeah, and he, he w- one of my favorite details that I, I didn't notice till this time was like when he shows up to her game. He's wearing his little uniform. Mm. It's like, you don't need to be wearing that. But it's so uh, cute though. I feel like in the forties during World War Two, you do because maybe it's you're like, right. People are so proud and excited for you. You know what I mean? Like now. There's different attitudes towards soldiers, I think. But, like, in yeah. the World War II, when people were, like, drafted into war and fought for their country, you're showing that shit off. That's true. And, and yeah, he, he's he's a proud guy. And the best part is just, like, oh, my, that's my wife. Yeah, it's when he's so like, adorable. that's my wife. He's so proud of her. Like, oh, I just loved it. I wanted to marry him in that moment. Peak Pullman. Peak Pullman. Maybe I'm reading into it. Okay. But I like that there's just this tiny shade that from Tom Hanks's point of view, he sees it as almost a love triangle. Yeah, you can tell he's you like. You can tell he's a, he, he if if Dottie was single, he would. Oh, he's got a little crush on her. Oh, yeah. for sure, he would fall in love with her. I love that scene. He challenge she challenges him. Exactly. Yes. Yeah. He sees her as an equal, mm-hmm. and going back to he can't even call them ball players at the beginning. When he when she leaves that first time, he just goes, "You're a ball player," and it's not like this big moment, but he's evolved to that point. Totally. And I love that scene where he calls her over on the bus and then they talk about her husband and he you can see he's a little disappointed but he, they, he's just excited to be with her yeah it's it's so warm and i love their relationship <sighs> yeah um part of me i mean this is just me being the hanks guy was like oh you know I, I want i want him to be happy but uh you want you think they should have ended up together no no absolutely not but like kind of there's that part of me that, yeah. that indulgent part of me like you oh. still hope that he finds love yeah, instead yeah, of... Yeah, I wonder. I want to know what happened to his life. We don't really find out. No, well, we know he died. We know, that's it. We just know he died. <laughs> which is, which seems right for Jimmy yeah, Dugan. Yeah, definitely. Jimmy um, Dugan was gonna die. <laughs> he was gonna die. Hopefully, but but I love the the ending to his character where he turns down the job because he's found Oh, because he's like, purpose. I'm already... Ha- yeah, he, found, he finds purpose and he's proud of coaching the women and mm-hmm. that's really dope. Yeah, that's great. Uh, so... Not, not, not to call back again uh, to our Sleepless in Seattle conversation, but I got to get this from you. Okay. Because um, when we were talking about that, you, you, you blasphemed on my podcast about how Tom Hanks was not a sexy character, certainly in that movie. He's not. But 
you kind of hinted that this was a movie where Tom Hanks was a little bit more of a likable dude. Is that true? Does that hold up? Or is that just a, a way to get out of that conversation? There is an Let's... absolute charm to his character in this because you get to see him grow into a good man. Mm-hmm. And he's such a dick. and fun. He's funny and he's a dick. And he also deeply cares about these women. So like those three things combined, definitely some irresistible charm. So there's some truth in the, the whole fixer-upper Watching. Yeah, I think I think like sadly, yeah, because it's like it's not like you see him in the beginning and you're like, ooh, you're just like, oh, he's an asshole. But by the end of the movie, you're like, oh, this guy is a good man. You know uh, yeah, what I mean? You, you I don't want to be the one to fix him up, but no, like by no, the end no. of the movie, you're like, oh, he's he's a good dude. But I still do not think he like is a sexual. Like he, to me, he doesn't like ooh sexuality. I've what? never seen Tom Hanks, and I'm like, ooh, I wanna. Fuck Tom Hanks. <laughs> I mean, I've never once thought that. That's uh, that's uh, that's uh, that's. It's good that Rita Wilson does, but yes. uh, no, and, no, you're. But he's very young in this movie, and he's very cute, and there's definitely, you know. No, and it's interesting because it's. I don't think Tom Hanks could take the place he has in pop culture if he was also a sex symbol. That's true. He's like a family man. He, he is a family man, even he's when a, he plays... A, and he's a handsome family man. I yeah. I'm not saying there's anything... I mean, if Tom Hanks asked me on a date in 92 when I was <laughs> of age, <laughs> I would have said yes. <laughs> right. I mean, there's a lot of reasons, but... Um, yeah. No, I think it's interesting, and maybe not to um, completely alienate our viewers by bringing it back around to feminism again, but uh, uh, I'm going to do that. Uh... It's interesting how I think Tom. Our, some of our viewers, some or, of your our viewers listeners, are probably, rather. Some of your listeners are probably. Good well, I, ho- I hope so with some yeah. of the conversations we've had in the past um, on the show, but uh, and just in general. And <laughs> just for life. Because, uh, I mean, if you like Tom Hanks. I mean, how could you not? Tom Hanks is a great family man, right? Yeah. Uh, but but uh, not needing to ooze sexuality as part of being this humongous star is not something you see from female actors pretty much ever except for Meryl Streep. I was just going to say I think Meryl Streep is the one who's defined that. Like I never think I ne- I never have seen her in a role that I thought was like a sexual role. Um, I, I haven't seen a lot of early Streep, but I mean I bet she was a looker. Yes, yeah, I mean, she was gorgeous, but I'm trying to think of other female stars. I mean Julia Roberts is the next biggest star that came to mind. But Julia Roberts of Larry Crown fame, you mean? Yes, exactly. Her but she role. was definitely like sexualized. Oh yeah. Um, I mean, that's how she finally Aaron got Brockovich, her, her Oscar. Yeah. yeah. And um, pretty, p- pretty women. And you look at the two Oscars Tom Hanks took home, and the least sexy character. Well, I mean, I don't. Remember wanna, his two Oscars? Uh, Philadelphia. I don't want to take anything away from that, but it wasn't that he was uh, a gay man. It was that he had AIDS and was. Very sickly the entire movie. Yeah, totally. And then, of course, Forrest Gump, who... Ah. Can he even consent? That's a whole conversation we'll have when we get to that movie. You haven't done Forrest Gump yet? We're saving it for a big episode. Oh. So that leads us kind of to the ending. Yes. I remember you said during the movie, you couldn't remember exactly how it ended. Right. I remember that there was a big moment with the game where Dottie was... um, at at home base and Kit was running around, but I didn't remember who won. And I was a little disappointed that Kit won because I felt like we hadn't, she hadn't really earned it. Like, mm-hmm. I didn't really see her journey. Like, you, she's so angry the whole movie. She's so um, ungrateful for her sister yeah. and, like, angry towards her success. So, she's very self-absorbed. Very self-absorbed. Uh, where you can tell uh, 
Gina Davis is nothing but not thinking about her sister the entire time. Yeah. Even when she's being rational and be like, take her out of the game. She sucks right yeah, now. Yeah, and we can tell how much that Gina Davis' character loves her sister, but mm-hmm. she, the sister, Kit, can't tell how much she loves her, so I think that's sort of frustrating for the audience to be like, can't you see how much she cares about you? Yeah, it is a little like, she seems a little dumb and dopey when she finally, they're saying goodbye, and it's like, you do love me? It's like, right. what have you... Of course. Have you been paying attention your entire life? I mean, yeah. get, get your uh, Solieri complex off your shoulder. Totally. It's like she can't be happy for other people, Kit's character, so it's hard for us to be happy for her. This is what I wrote. Mm-hmm. But she cares so much about the game that it's sort of... We do sort of empathize with her. Because yeah. Because we get why she is so angry all the time. It's, it's her absolute passion, uh, which we don't see from Gina Davis. Right. I think there's that moment where Gina Davis is looking at her sister celebrating winning the game, and that's sort of her own win. Like, yeah. that's the moment of winning for her. But I don't know. I almost feel like it'd be more realistic if Dottie had won. Would it have been a better movie, though? Did, I don't know. Did, did Dottie <laughs> drop the ball? Here's, here, okay, that's actually what I was going to say. Is I'll let you. You didn't remember who won the game. I remember who won the game, but I couldn't remember, or at least I misremembered, because I thought it was a very, there was a moment where uh, Dottie makes a choice to lose. But the end of the movie is not really, it looks like she's trying to win the entire time. Right. I mean, we know for a fact when she uh, says, throw him high, fa- high, or high fastball, she can't hit him, she's trying to get her sister out so she or her the peaches will win right um terrific team name by the way yeah great name uh, the rock for peaches um so she's trying to win and i think she's almost trying to win for jimmy like for the tom hanks yes character. yes uh but that's her goal the entire time so she it's never a moment where she because that's the thing i remembered it being her she chooses at the last second to be like my sister needs this more than i do right and i almost think my memory of the movie is like, oh, that plays better than her actually just losing. Mm. How do you, but I'm not sure, because like, it also speaks true that she wanted it more, she just got it. Yeah, I mean, I think that probably is true that, she, I don't know if she chose to drop the ball. No, I don't think. But it was this mo- internal thing of like, she probably, she didn't care as much as her sister, but at the same time, she was on a road trip, came back to play one game. Like, yeah. she wanted to win. She definitely wanted to win. So I guess maybe it's, it's, because, again, thinking about the version of the movie I thought it was where she chooses to let the sister win, being kind of a sh- shitty victory for the sister even though right. she doesn't know. I guess it is better that she she doesn't choose that. And it's like the sister really just wins. Yeah, she just earns it. So she that's good earn. for her. Yeah, I think that I think that works. She's she's the one. I mean, I think that's kind of true to, uh, to narrow it down to a very specific industry. But, like, it seems like the people who in Hollywood who succeed are the ones who are the hungriest not necessarily the most talented mm-hmm. the hungriest yeah i was having this conversation the other day with my friend where it's like there's people who are really really talented but aren't driven or don't believe in themselves and then there's a lot of people out here who are not talented but really believe in themselves and re- are really driven and then if you're both like that's when you're mm-hmm. un- truly unstoppable yes truly unstoppable uh and uh i think that's the exact same method uh that Politicians use too. Oh, totally. You see that in politics totally, all the time. Totally. Probably <laughs> any industry, banking. Yeah, that's true. Uh, the the all the people who think it's like all the wrong people don't like themselves yeah, and don't yeah. think they're talented. Yeah. But not not to say that uh, to apply that to um, 
kit, though. She is very talented. She is talented, and but it, she's not as talented as her sister, and no. that drives her crazy. Which, uh, I, I was a, I was the middle child. I was the most talented and successful, so I can't relate um. to Kit. But uh, I can relate to Gina Davis and Lottie. I can relate to Kit because I was the youngest kid, and growing up I always f- felt like my brother was cooler than me in school and stuff, but I was always, but we were never into the same things, and I was always, like, the good one in school. Mm-hmm. Like, I always got the best grades and did all the extracurriculars and stuff. And yet, I can't imagine being in the same industry as him and having to compete. So, or, or with, like, a significant other, really. So that makes me wonder, then, um, does that mean, is there a chance that you were especially frustrated with Kit because you saw, like, oh, was I ever that... Maybe, but competitive? I uh, maybe there was a sense of competition with with my brother, but but I never really felt competitive with him. I more just felt like when you're I grew up in a small town, so the school's like five hundred kids. So in all the classes, it was like, oh, you're John's sister, and my teachers would be like, oh, John's sister, or like mm-hmm. kids would know me as his sister. Yeah. So I was never competitive with him. I was just annoyed. I was like, I want to be my own person. Well, that's, like, yeah, which is what she <laughs> she feels invisible. I guess whatever. that's She's true. Around, I guess so that that's makes true. sense. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and I think we can all relate to that feeling of invisibility when totally. someone much cooler is. No, is <laughs> he's uh, not much cooler. <laughs> I'm the cool one. It's a good movie. It's just so good. Like, it's so character-driven. It makes you feel so good the whole time to watch yeah. them. Can we talk a little bit about Madonna and yes, Rosie we, O'Donnell? Yes, we barely talked about okay. the wonderful extent. Let's talk about Rosie O'Donnell and Madonna. Okay. Just, like, the funnest two. What, like, what a great unexpected pairing. Mm-hmm. Are they best friends in real life? Uh, they should be. They should be. It surely lo- seemed uh, like it. The, yeah, they, it's such a great, like, you, you get these kind of things in movies all the time where it's like, we're just going to pair these two characters together and have their dynamic be their character. It was, like, this whole great thing that drove the whole film. Yeah, I, I love seeing, like, how May is to- uh, Madonna's character, May is just totally, like, this uh, owns her own sexuality I agency. Love it. And Those are always, sorry. This bombshell. Um, and uh, I love that she she plays it and she, she's, she enjoys exactly how she is. And it seems so true that she would absolutely adore Rosie O'Donnell's character, even though they're completely different. And... It's 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 like almost another. Uh, it's it's almost like a healthier version of the sister relationship that we see in Dottie and uh, Kid actually. Totally. Because they're way much more of a pair. Yeah. And they're never competitive. No. There's probably a few moments where like the uh, when Rosie O'Donnell talking about her shitty boyfriend. Yeah. Oh. But Rosie O'Donnell and the Madonna, like that duo, it's just like two badass women who don't give a fuck. Yes. And the Kit and Dottie one, it's like two like put together women who care a lot. <laughs> so yeah. it's like this cool dynamic to see these four people. But I, yeah, Rosie O'Donnell and May are just like they just are like balls out, like don't care, like have so much fun. For, I like the backstory. On each other. The back She's story. a dancer. She was the bouncer. Yeah, so funny that she was a bouncer. And I love that. I love the way she totally does. Like how you were saying, just like own her sexuality, mm-hmm. and, she, and especially because it does take place in the forties. And she's just like, "Yep, this is who I am." And I was always so attracted to like female characters like that, mm-hmm. where it's like she's not sexualized more than the other women, but she's, like, aware of her sexuality. Yes. You know what I mean? Like, the movie doesn't sexualize her in a gross way. She sexualizes herself. Right, so, like, I think that's cool about the movie. 
And I love the scene when they all go drinking at the bar. The bar and scene is so good. there's that whole dance scene where Madonna's dancing, but it never seems like, and now Madonna dances. Like, it's very nicely woven into the yeah. film. That, that, that whole scene where they just get to go out and have fun and have blow off steam is like, the movie encapsulated almost like the, how it feels to watch this movie. Completely, it's just fun and exciting, and you love watching these characters and Marla singing Marla. horribly, oh. but finding love. Like Marla is my favorite character, but hands down, <laughs> she's like the ugly duckling character, mm-hmm. but she's so talented and also hilarious and cute. And like the fact that she's the one who finds love in this yeah. film is the best. It's she so... marries him at the end. We find out they got married. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, and there's and they're still together too. Yeah. I love how Rosie O'Donnell is kind of insecure about herself, and then she gets like the two twin fans. Twenty two. I love it, and she's like, I don't know how to deal with this. It's yeah, so like adorable. Me? And then yeah, she rips up the picture of her boyfriend. She's like, I'm gonna find someone better. Ah, oh, I love it. It's so like. Yeah, I mean, I guess that makes me realize there aren't a lot of. The, the only real re- romance in this is between Dottie and her husband. There's no mm-hmm. real. Like male relation, none of the female characters are like used in that way. I guess. There's no love story. There's no love, which story. is awesome. Which is so dope. You know, there are components where relationships are involved. Like Marla gets married. Right. Uh, the the women all talk about like, oh, dating sucks or dating's great. Well, or, they talk about their husbands being in war and yeah. stuff like that and men. But it's um, like I'm so glad that Jimmy Dugan, like Tom Hanks' character doesn't end up, like, sleeping with one of the women. Or, that would have like, been terrible. Would have been horrible. Yeah. Like, I mean, I, I, what I said before is, like, I, I wanted that just because, like, ah, oh, Jimmy and they are great together. But yeah, it's not, but like, they, that's such a good bond. Like, you want him to yeah, find love. Exactly. You want him to, like, of course. Of course. And it's great to see uh, them have such a strong bond and the strong chemistry and it not have to be romantic or sexual. Because uh, that doesn't happen often enough in movies or real life. Or real life. Uh, this is just a... Goddamn dynamite movie. I know. It made me so happy watching it. And sad. I cried. It's, uh, there's no crying in baseball, but there's crying watching this movie. <laughs> yeah, it's true. Anything else you'd like to say? Um, no. I mean, it'd be cool uh, if there was a, another female baseball league. But I wonder if it wouldn't matter as much now. It really mattered in the 40s. It did, yeah. Which is cool to see that. It mattered to the women and it mattered to the country. Yeah. Now, it, like, that's and the thing. And I just feel like this is the only thing in, in our culture that, like, encapsulates that. Like, I've never, I didn't know it was a thing mm-hmm. until now. Like, I want to see, I want to look up now that I've seen this movie again, like, the actual story about what happened and who these women were and how long the league lasted. And, yeah. Like, I'd love to see pictures or videos of it. Um, so those will be all in the show notes. No, no, no. You have to look yeah. that up yourself. <laughs> look it up. Gotta um, Google it. This is fantastic. Allie, thanks for coming on. Uh, it's always such a pleasure. Love watching a good Tom Hanks movie. Who doesn't? Love chatting with Elvis. It's great. Making him talk about feminism with me. I love talking about feminism. I don't get enough opportunities That's to. That's true. We're running low on battery, so why don't you tell people, where can they find you? What, if all these wonderful listeners, where can they find you and hear you talk more about feminism and... Uh, how much you love uh, Marla? I'm at Ali Vingiano on Twitter, mm-hmm. and I'm at the real Ali Vingiano on Instagram. It's always such a pleasure, All and right. thank you for letting me do this movie in particular. Of course, glad to have saved it for you. All right, you can email the show TomHanksPod at gmail.com or follow us on Twitter at TomHanksPod. You can follow me on Twitter and Instagram at Elvis Kunish, and don't forget to join us next week when we take a look at 1992's bizarre movie. Radio Flyer. It's going to be a weird one. 
So stay tuned for that. And until then, Hanks for listening. Tom Hanks, we fell in love with you, Tom Hanks, just like so many do deeply, because you made us smile, and you're great on screen style, so that's why we give thanks, cause you've got a friend in Tom Hanks, Tom Hanks, Tom Hanks, there's no crying in baseball.